Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome, friends, to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. Today I have Timbo with me once again, and we are coming to you early in the morning in Orlando, Florida. We have another passage where the kingdom of God is referenced that we're going to plunge in today. And it is actually the third parable where Jesus condemns the religious leaders in the Gospel of Matthew. Tim, you want to go ahead and read it for our massive million-plus listeners? It's a lot of pressure, Frank. (laughs) That's a joke, folks. (laughs) All right, this is from the New Living Translation, Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus also told them other parables. He said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent other servants to tell them, the feast has been prepared. The bulls and fatted cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. Mm. The king was furious, and he sent out his army to destroy the murderers and burn their town. And he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, and the guests I invited aren't worthy of the honor. Now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it you are here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. Mm -hmm. Then the king said to his aides, bind his hands and feet and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Mm. Yes, and in other translations, I have wedding garment. So is wedding clothes. Well, this, of course, again, is the third parable where Jesus is taking the chief priests, the Pharisees, the elders to task. And they're all grouped here together, one after the other. So you've got the parable of the two sons, you've got the parable of the tenants, And then now the parable of the wedding banquet. Now, Luke 14 gives us a very similar parable, but it is not the same. What I find interesting is that Jesus, he was a preacher, he was a teacher. And just like any preacher, teacher, he was giving the same message 
in some situations to different audiences and those same messages are recorded in the Gospels. Other times he gives similar messages, one to one audience and another to another audience at a different time. I think that's important because sometimes Bible readers and commentators get stuck on this thinking that Jesus only preached a particular message once and then we see it in different places and it's worded differently and so my goodness uh, what's wrong here and in some cases it is the same exact message and the different gospel writers are remembering it differently but the differences are slight mm. but other times it's a different message altogether it's just similar and he gave it at a different time into a different audience and so Luke 14 is like that it's a similar parable but it's different a couple observations a wedding banquet in Jewish culture was a massive obligation mm. a massive social obligation much more than it is in our time if you were invited to a wedding and you did not attend you were shaming those who invited you you were shaming the patron you were shaming the host you're shaming those getting married. Um, it was a big deal. So when the first group is invited and they decline and they're basically dismissive. And by the way, I put on my social media wall, one of them recently, dismissiveness is not a fruit of the spirit. And I say that because it's in the drinking water of the Christian family. Mm. even Christian leaders. And by that, I simply mean someone reaches out to you, they write you, they ask you a question, they give you an invitation. And to dismiss them is not even to acknowledge that they have reached out to you. Ghosting mm. <laughs> is not of the Holy Spirit. A simple reply, thank you for the invitation, or if you can't answer the question, I'll have to get back to you, or go to this page, I answer it here. <laughs> That's appropriate. That's in line with the character of Jesus. But just to totally dismiss someone as if they don't exist. And unfortunately, Christian leaders do this. Not all, obviously. I mean, you're certainly not a dismissive person. But it seems to be um, a pattern among many Christians, including leaders. And it's not acceptable. There is a passage. I, I don't know where it is offhand. Where Jesus, in effect, says, if someone greets you on the street, you are to acknowledge them. This gets back to Matthew 7, 12. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Nobody wants to be ignored. Nobody wants to be dismissed. And that's what these people are doing right here. They're being invited to a wedding, and they're blowing it off. Again, this brings me back to what Jesus says in chapter 8, Matthew 8, verse 12, the sons of the kingdom, the subjects of the kingdom will be cast out in outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so he's, he keeps sending these various servants. And this first group, I look at it historically in that the Lord sent his prophets. He sent John the Baptist and for the most part, their message was not heard or received. Mm. And even in Jerusalem, in the early A.D. 30s, 
the Jerusalem church had during that time up to 10,000 people. In Acts 4, we're told there were 5,000 men. Uh, Well, if you count the women and children, you're going to get 10K. But that's a fraction of all the Jews in the city. (laughs) My point is that most of the Jewish people (laughs) dismissed the message. John was dismissed. Stephen was dismissed. James, the apostle, Stephen and James were killed. Some scholars look at these three waves of servants representing the prophets, the ministry of John the Baptist, the the coming of the Son of God and his message. And then the third, focusing on the church, the ecclesia, and its ministry of evangelism. Like you said, this is the third third parable in this series of Mm -hmm. Jesus' condemnation of the of the religious leaders and it just gets more intense right yes. I mean, you start out you start off with the parable the two sons and there it's it's the the son who is i think dismissive is is the word that flows through these three parables that you, as you pointed out the, the son says yes i go but really dismisses the father and doesn't go out yes. to do the father's will and then in the second parable, the the wicked tenants, when it's time for the fruit to be collected, they're they're dismissive of the servants, and then it gets then it starts to get more extreme, right? They just they're dismissive of the servants, they ignore them, but then they beat them, they stone them, they kill them, and they and finally they kill the the son mm. of the of the vineyard owner. And here, it's again, the it starts off with being just dismissive. Well, you know, I'm too busy to go to the wedding. I have, I have my farm. I have my business. But as you said, even there, even that is extreme. Mm. Because not only is this a wedding, mm. this is the wedding for the king's son. Yeah. I mean, are you really going to say, ah, you know, I'm too busy to go to the king's son wedding. Mm. That's, that's craziness. You're not going to refuse that invitation because mm. you don't go against the king. And plus... It's going to be an awesome party. I mean, you're not going to want to miss this. You're not going to want to miss this. And it starts off with dismissiveness and then continues to escalate into into violence and even killing the the, the mm. servants of the king. But the king doesn't give up. Mm. The king does not give up the the message of the coming kingdom, the message of invitation into reconnection with God doesn't stop. Mm. And so the king says, anybody, just go out there and get anybody. And I think that's a that's an that's that's an image of the gospel of the kingdom going out to the whole world, right? The yep. the people who the religious leaders would have seen as unworthy of the message, right? Unworthy of being mm. part of God's family. No, that 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 doesn't hold. That it goes out to everybody. The good mm and the bad, doesn't matter what your religious pedigree is, doesn't matter what your ethical background is, everybody gets the invitation to be part of the Mm. kingdom because the kingdom means transformation, Mm -hmm. right? So these these people, they come, they get compelled really to come to the feast. And then here's here's our favorite piece of the passage, right? This guy that's somehow there without a wedding garment. Mm. the baffling piece the piece that we all struggle mm. with it's one of those places where you know interpreters will will try to pull the well but there's really something special going on here like 
Well, in ancient Jewish culture, the, the, the host would provide wedding garments for everyone who showed up. Well, there's no evidence that that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's. I don't think that's what's happening here. So how does this guy? How does this guy get in without the proper clothing? And then what does it mean? What does it yeah. mean that this guy somehow gets in, but then gets thrown out mm-hmm. and, and thrown out pretty harshly? Mm. As I was preparing for our for our conversation. One of the things that, um, that, that I read was what Karl Barth had to say about this. Mm. And Barth talks about how, yes, the, the gospel goes out and brings all these people in. And then he says, but the gospel is something that does not leave us unchanged. That's right. It doesn't leave us unchanged. But somehow, for this guy... He, he was unchanged. And of course, the, the metaphor of clothing is used in Colossians 3.12, in yes. Galatians 3.27, as putting on Christ. That that's the way that, that the metaphor of clothing shows that we have been transformed and are living into, into the place where Christ mm. dwells in us. And somehow this guy, it doesn't happen to him, right? He, it doesn't happen. The mm. transformation doesn't happen. And so even though the invitation is for everybody, even though, even though he even shows up and responds, mm. somehow the transformation doesn't happen for him. And that means that he gets the bad news. And I wonder if that's, I, I, I kind of like that, I kind of like that explanation because it fits with, it fits with the reality of our experience as people who respond and see others respond to the kingdom where sometimes it seems like people respond sometimes it seems like they're all on board but somehow the transformation never happens i think you're right the gospel is not you're okay i'm okay (laughs) you're invited into the kingdom and just walk in the door and everything's cool staying at the party requires change And one of the themes that runs through all three of these parables, uh, and all of them are bearcats. I mean, if Mm -hmm. you're looking at it through the eyes of the audience whom Jesus was speaking to, these leaders of Israel, they all emphasize repentance. And we have refusing the invitation is insulting the dignity of the king. It's burning his goodness it's mm-hmm. rejecting his welcome but when he sends his servants to invite a second time here not only are they dismissed but the servants are mistreated and even killed and that's why i mentioned john the baptist mm-hmm. the prophets mm-hmm. jesus said to israel you did this to the prophets speaking generally That's what they did to Stephen. That's what they did to James, the apostle. And then there's retribution. The king was enraged and he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. I think this is clearly a reference to what happened in 70 AD, the destruction of Jerusalem. It was brought up to the horse's bit when you read the history of what happened there. Some scholars say that 
This is retrospective. Matthew, the writer of the gospel, inserted it in here. <laughs> but Jesus had prophesied this in other places. You know, Matthew 24 and, and so forth. I don't understand why scholars do that kind of thing. Folks, you got to be careful when you read scholars. Anyway, but the highways, you know, to me, this represents going to the outcasts of Israel. Those that the Pharisees and the elders and the religious people discarded. The people Jesus mentioned in the earlier parable, the, the publicans and the harlots, the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Those who rejected or dismissed the invitation disqualified themselves. So he, he makes a point here to go to the streets and gather people who will say yes to the invite, both good and bad, mm. both good and bad. And I think that's significant because we have this phrase good and bad in other parables. You have it in you know, the parable of the good fish and the bad fish, the net, the drag net. And this guy who gets into the party, because the Lord wants his wedding hall full of guests, this is a big celebration. He somehow slips in without a proper wedding attire. And from what I've read, the, the proper wedding garment is a new clean, a new clean outfit for the wedding. This guy shows up in a soiled garment. He's not properly attired and he's thrown out. He's expelled from the hall. And so you have groups that enter and they stay in and you have groups that enter and they're thrown out <laughs> and then you have groups that never enter and the in group and those who remain are whom Jesus calls the chosen and they enjoy the banquet uh, but it's significant that he invites both the righteous and the unrighteous the call of the gospel goes to both mm -hmm. right and Jesus made comments about righteousness being outward and you know i've not come to the righteous but i've come to the sinners fact of the matter is when we look at paul all are unrighteous in a very real sense but these outsiders whom the religious leaders shunned and ignored and even despised they're part of the banquet and most of them stay mm. which is great i mean for you and me the gospel again is it's not it's not just something that you hear and believe and then that's it i believe the wedding garment and this goes along with bart seems to me to signify righteousness that comes through repentance isaiah 61 verse 10 i delight greatly in the lord my soul rejoices in my god for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness mm. as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels so here the garment is equated with righteousness how does righteousness come through repentance matthew 3 verses 1 to 2 in those days john the baptist came preaching in the wilderness of judea saying repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Matthew 4, 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
righteousness as a result of repentance. Now, we don't see righteousness equated with Jesus himself being clothed with Christ in the Gospels. But as you pointed out, this is a clear thing in the New Testament epistles. Romans 13, 14. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You mentioned that passage. Revelation 19, 8. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her, the bride of Christ, to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Repentance, again, is the proper response to the gospel of the kingdom. A change of direction, a change of life. And how could it not be that way? How could it not be that Mm. the response to this incredible grace isn't a change, isn't a complete change of mind, isn't a complete change of of life? Mm. What, What... Jesus is saying in these in these three parables, it's inconceivable that the change doesn't happen if you really get the message, if you really accept the grace. I mean, how can you not how can you not respond to the invitation to the kingdom without humility and compassion mm. and gratitude? That's what the power of yeah. grace does. And yet somehow it's possible for a hardened human heart to to reject that. It's possible. It's probably yeah. possible to push that away. It's it's astonishing, and it is astonishing, and it is it is you know hyperbole in in these parables, right? It's yes. It's the invitation to go to the banquet of the wedding for the king's son, and people are like, ah, you know, <laughs> I gotta shine my shoes. That's that's crazy, right? A, a normal person would not do that, and I think that that's part of the that's part of the gist here is that the there's such distortion in the world, there's such distortion oh. in the world system that even even that invitation could could be ignored, and more so, the guy with the without his without his wedding garment, wedding clothing. Yeah, he, he somehow, he, he sort of responds, right? Sort of responds to that last wave of servants that go out to just grab anybody off the street corners that's there. Somehow he, he, he gets in, but it's, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, I'm going to come, like you said, I'm going to come to the party, but, you know, I'm not going to put my good clean clothes on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show up in my sweatsuit just in case I get a better offer and I decide to leave. And that's not that's not a genuine response, right? That's not the response mm. to uh, yeah. the, the incredible grace mm-hmm. that comes mm. when the kingdom comes. It's not it's yeah. not the it's Amen. not an authentic response. And it's not it's not repentance. Just to hear some observations in line with what you just said. First, this this first group that dismissed and then outright rejected. The invitation they are replaced by a surprising group that no one expected Israel rejects the leaders of Israel reject mm. Israel as a whole dismisses the leaders of Israel reject and then kill the servants and so now the Lord goes 
to the marginalized, the, the outcasts, the people you would not expect, both good and bad. This, again, reminds us of the Lord's word, the first will be last, the last first, which he said often. This wedding guest, who was not wearing a clean garment, he's speechless. Mm. He doesn't have a response. This indicates to me, at least I get the, the vibe that he knows what he's doing. You know, he's not stupid. He knows he's looking at the other people in the wedding hall and they all have clean new garments and he doesn't. And so he has no words to to justify what, what he's doing. I, I can't help but reminded of the mixture parables in Matthew 13 that we covered in earlier episodes where you have false professors. I'm not talking about teachers. I'm talking about (laughs) professors of faith. They're false professors. They're nominal Christians, so to speak. And then you have genuine believers, the true article. But they're together, Mm. right? And the Lord is the one who separates and exposes. I I see four things here. Outward dismissal. Then there's outright rejecting (laughs) with hostility. And then there are those who come in and stay in. And then there are those who come in but do not remain in. And it was Bonhoeffer, a good Lutheran, uh, who talked about coming to God on one's own terms versus coming to God on his terms. And he called it cheap grace discipleship without the cross today some bible teachers and so forth call it hyper grace that the grace of god is free it allows you to come into the kingdom on your own terms not his (laughs) where the message of the new testament again is true faith and repentance produces a change of life doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect and free of mistakes and making boneheaded decisions. That's going to happen as you grow and are transformed. But it's going to produce a change. It's also going to yield good works. So we have this tension between divine grace and human responsibility. And those who respond to the gospel show themselves to be the chosen. And that's the way it works. We see who is chosen. We know we're chosen by our response to the gospel. And the unexpected come in and are present. The expected are absent. (laughs) (laughs) The leaders of Israel. This is a consistent theme in his ministry. But grace and demand are not incompatible. I think that's one of the, the highlights of this for me is, you know, Proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom issues a challenge, and it requires a response. And that response being to repent and believe. The banquet here is both present and future. The invitation is to all. But sheer grace, which the gospel offers, is not cheap grace, in Bonhoeffer's words. The kingdom of God combines limitless grace with limitless demands. And, of course, God himself has promised to fulfill those demands in and through us. Yes, I think that maybe the maybe the word would be uh, powerless grace. 
mm-hmm. that it's just that, that cheap grace is powerless grace. It's the grace that says, yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Nothing needs to change. But that's it. But that's not the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's not the power of what Jesus brings into the world. And I think that this um, this piece about the guy with the with without the wedding garment shows us that it is possible mm. to get the invitation. It's even possible to, in some sense, respond yes. to the invitation. Yes. But not to let the power mm. of the grace into our lives to transform our lives. Can this guy really be enjoying the the, the feast to the full? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think so because no. he's not he's not he's not grateful, right? He's not responding. He's not he's not living out the joy of the invitation. Mm-hmm. He's there in his in his dirty clothes. Thinking about, well, is, do, do I have a better offer someplace else? And that's missing. That's missing the whole point. That's missing mm-hmm. the whole point. You're at, you're at the wedding banquet of the king's son. There's no, there's no better place to be. <laughs> there is no better place to be. To miss that is to, is to miss the power of the. Of the, of the of the grace that pulls us into the kingdom and and we know that it's powerful because it does include everybody right that the invitation goes out to like you said the good the bad it goes out it even does go out to the religious leaders right there that's yep. what that's essentially what Jesus is doing right. right here right he's saying they were the guys, first to be brought in yeah it's like it's like wake up guys wake up you know realize what you're missing you know mm. and and I and and the, in the in the previous parable where where they realize that Jesus is speaking against them, they realize that Jesus yes, is warning them, and they still yes. they, they still they still don't want to hear it. That's the guy without the garment, mm. right? It yes. just doesn't just doesn't want to allow that transformation to happen. That transformation that really happens as we move as we move into the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, the Pharisees, the elders, the scribes, the people to whom he's speaking, they expected to be part of the coming kingdom. But Jesus, in effect, was saying that the elites have been rejected in general because they rejected the invitation. And instead, the least, the unexpected, the tax collectors, harlots, the poor, the prostitutes, we can even throw in the unwashed Gentiles into that, they're the ones that end up responding, the lowly. I think it's worth pointing out that this phrase, many are called, but few are chosen, in the Semitic style of writing, many means all. All are called, and few means not all. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a Semitic form of saying all versus not all. All are called, but not all are chosen. The choosing of God is manifested by how we respond to the gospel. The word to all of us, particularly those in leadership, but to every person who is hearing this, is put on the garment of Jesus Christ. 
and repent. <laughs> and as he continues to point things out in your life, going back to the parable of the two sons, respond to him. Respond to the Lord. We come to Jesus Christ. We come into his kingdom on his terms, not on our terms. Mm. Yes, yes. I really appreciate you pointing out the that last verse that it's that it's a it's a way of speaking mm-hmm. it's not a it's not a literal right. uh, it's not a literal statement that there's only a, a that the idea well there's only a few that make it into the kingdom is not the point of of what of what Jesus is saying and i think that that's that is backed up by the way the story works out right that those who those people the people that really miss out on it are the people who were the supposed people of honor right the guests the people who were on the a list yes they're the ones that they're the ones that pretty right. much outright refused but then mm. the king doesn't give up right god doesn't give up yeah, that's god that. keeps on inviting. sending keeps on inviting pulls people pulls mm. people in and even in that dirty crew of people gathered from the street corners and the back alleys, mm. there's only one that doesn't have the garment. Yeah. There's only one that doesn't have mm-hmm. the garment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that illustrates the power of grace. That it's not about us. Mm. It's not about how good we are. It's about the grace that comes to invite us into the kingdom and as you said, as we both said many times about these parables and our response, it is, to, it is for us to respond with gratitude and, tra- and, and change mm-hmm. and to allow the transformation to happen in our lives. Because that's it, that is the kingdom, right? The kingdom is the transformed people of God, the people who have put on Christ, the people who have lived into into the life that he gives. You know, we're living in a time where the idea of exclusion under any condition is anathema. That given any sphere of life, you must be inclusive. Jesus is inclusive. And he is inclusive in the sense that all are invited. Mm -hmm. Again, the many Mm -hmm. in Semitic style is all all Mm -hmm. are invited but not all are chosen not all have responded to the invitation not all have come to god on his terms and so not all are chosen because they themselves chose not to be those who enter in and so there is this exclusion there are some who are in some who are out now to the ears of a 21st century american that's blasphemous how can there be some in and some out but you cannot read these three parables that were leveled at the religious leaders without coming to that conclusion and so many others where jesus talks about the requirements to enter into the kingdom and certain things that will keep people out of the kingdom and we're even going to look at this when we when we go over the parable of the ten bridesmaids or ten virgins or ten girls whatever you want to put it uh, and also the king separating the flock the goats versus the sheep I mean 
Jesus was inclusive. He was also exclusive. And you can't just pick one. If you pick the exclusive and you hang your hat there, well, you know, you're a Pharisee. That's mm-hmm. what they were. Mm-hmm. They were excluding people they didn't like right. or they didn't think were worthy, right? That is in the Christian faith, that impulse. There are modern Pharisees. And everything that Jesus says to these religious leaders applies to people of that stripe. On the other hand, there are some who are all-inclusive, meaning not only is everyone invited, everyone gets in because it's grace. And so here, you know, the Lord is confronting both of those impulses, saying, no, all are invited, but not all respond. Hmm. And you must respond to get into my kingdom. But I like what you say about what this shows us about God, because he himself goes the extra mile. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. He keeps sending his servants. He, he keeps trying. Parable of the lost sheep. He goes after that one sheep who has strayed. He is so determined, does all he can to bring us, the universal us, into his kingdom. But there's certain things he can't do. He can't make the decision for us. Mm. You know, he can't force us to wear the wedding garment. <laughs> um, he can't force us to repent. So there's this tension between his sovereignty and, and our will. Yeah, I think, I think it all goes back. I think it all goes back to do we believe do we trust in the power of grace, mm. of the power of what God is doing in the world? And I think that both of the errors that you talked about, the error of easy inclusivism and the error of exclusivism based on our own, based on our own judgment, that both of those are, are in essence rooted in a lack of recognition of the power of grace. Mm-hmm. That easy inclusivism says, well, anybody's welcome, but you know, grace doesn't change some people. Mm. You know, it doesn't it just doesn't happen for them. They stay stuck in their sin, they stay stuck in that in those distortions. Mm. That grace just isn't enough for them. And that's not true. Because grace if, if there's one message that comes across in the New Testament Grace can change anybody. It has the power. God has the power to change anybody. And that invitation goes out to everybody. And on the other, on the other hand, if, if we're living in the land of the Pharisee and saying, well, there are, there are some people that just don't make it. There are some people that just aren't worthy. Again, we're denying the power of grace, right? It's just, a different, it's just in a different way. It's either, it's either denying the power of grace so that we say, okay, it doesn't matter how people live, mm-hmm. or we deny the power of grace because and by saying, "Well, it matters if people don't meet this and this and this criterion mm. that, that that we have picked." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. But but that's not the way. But that's not the way God works, and that's not the way the invitation to the kingdom works. The invitation to the kingdom is grace, is power, mm. is transformation is the thing that matters more than anything else yes. I mean, maybe that's that's the thing about this parable this invitation to the king's wedding banquet to the wedding banquet for the king's son 
this invitation is the most important thing mm. that ever happened to these people. Yeah. It's the most important. It is the life-changing thing. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, is some people missed it. Some people missed it. But the invitation comes. Mm. Yep. Amen. Well, that completes these three parables leveled at the religious leaders. And the next time we get together, we will discuss the next reference to the kingdom of God in the Gospels. We are determined to cover every single one of them. And when we're finished, we'll have a complete library in the Insurgents podcast of every reference to the kingdom in the New Testament. And this is a great supplement to the book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom. And if you don't have a copy of it, we encourage you to get one. We'll see you next time. God bless. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the insurgence has begun. Don't miss it.